Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, made ever more luxurious by the presence of my sidekick, Tom Dorian. I'm nervous. Why are you nervous? You got this sheepish-looking grin, like a cat that ate the canary kind of grin on your face today. It means I'm going to sing. You're up to no good. Yeah, I'm up to no good. Uh, you know, uh, I'm up to good, I think. Oh, right. Well, here's the, here's the what. Uh, I want to talk today. This is kind of, I think this is timely. And okay. I think folks listening might be able to say, you know, I'm kind of sensing this is what's going on in the world. Uh, and I want to talk about, um, I had an experience where I was watching television uh, not long ago. And my wife and I, I don't, do, you, do you have shows? What was you, the show? The Voice. The Voice, okay. Have you ever seen that show? No, I'm not a Voice fan. Okay, so I like that show. I like okay. I like when you find like this hidden talent and people get to, maybe for the, you know, I'm a, yeah. I'm a barber and he's up there singing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like. And it my, my daughter has me into, uh, Caroline has me into America's Got Talent. Okay, so it's the we same like, kind yeah, of thing there, thing. except yeah. this one doesn't have any like little dancing puppies and whatnot. Right. Right. This is more like. No knife juggling. No. Although that's kind of cool. But anyway, that's a whole other show. This show is about, uh, I I want to talk about a song that I heard sung on there. And I I didn't know this song before. Uh, But uh, the the song on The the Voice was, um, well, the guy that sang it is, uh, he actually, well, he won the thing. And his, uh, uh, is is, is it sang a Tom T. Hall. I recognize that name. Yeah. Well, you know, he... He sang a song back in the, I think it was like the 70s, 60s mm-hmm. or 70s, like, I love little baby ducks, <laughs> old pickup trucks, slow-moving trains, and rain. Oh, I remember that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good old country, Tom T. Hall. Yeah, and that's I, a good song. I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure the, the songs are good old American country stuff going on. Well, uh, this, this guy named Sundance Head, which is kind of a funny name, but... This, Sundance Head. That's his name. This guy's that's like, I think he's right like there. three feet tall and about... 300 pounds, but man, this guy is an amazing artist. Really? Anyway, so he sings this song, it's called Me and Jesus. And it's a Tom T. Hall song. Tom T. Hall wrote gotcha. this song, and uh, so this guy sang this song. Okay, now I'm and, with you. And it was a great ditty, man. It was He, he performed it beautifully, and I'd mm-hmm. never heard it before. Mm-hmm. I, and, I, and so uh, I've gone out and I've bought the song. I bought the the album that they put out with uh, you know all the, the great hits or whatever from that from The Voice. And uh, I listen to it, and you know, the more I listen to it, I, you start to listen to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And there's like, and again, I'm not going to say it's a bad song, and I'm not going to say Tom T. Hall is bad, and it's not the voice of the devil, and this is not what's happening. But I do think culturally there are some problems because the, the lyrics, as you start to listen to it, you start going, wait a second, <laughs> this might not be a good thing for a Catholic to start, you know, singing, singing this tune and really getting into the words because there can be some problems. Now, I mm-hmm. think you can still be Catholic and listen to this song. Okay. I don't think it's going to challenge you, but I think you have to be kind of strong in your faith to understand, you know, where if, you, if you're not strong in your faith, I guess is the way I would say it, you, you might get a little, little astray. So the, the thing goes um, uh, like this. It's like the, the chorus is me and Jesus got our own thing going. Me and Jesus got it all worked out. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. We don't need anybody to tell us what it's all about. Now, that's kind of okay. Yeah, it's got a good... Except, except there tends to be a little me and Jesus thing in there, right? Yep. And I, I, I talk in the RCI all the time about it's not just me and Jesus. Right. 
Like there, there is the corporate us, the we, the body of Christ, the mystical right. body of Christ. And this song sort of wads the me and Jesus. And we don't need anybody else to tell us what we're doing, what we should do. I just need do. me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. Yeah. I got my thing going yeah. with Jesus. Yeah. You know, stay out of it, Tom. Yeah. You know, uh, the last verse. Uh, I thought you were going to sing this for us. No, I don't know, though. Come I, on. I, no, no, I'm not going to do it. But I will say this. Uh, the last verse is like a little scary because it says we can't afford any fancy preaching. We can't afford any fancy church. We can't afford any fancy singing. You know, Jesus got a lot of poor people out doing his work. Now, that sounds like it comes from Pope Francis. It does. And, and there's some there's some goodness to this. Yeah. Right. And there are aspects of this that I think that's right. It's not all about the fancy preaching. Mm-hmm. It's not all about how nice your church looks, what neighborhood it's in. It's certainly not about the best choirs and whatever. But it's but it shouldn't be to the opposite to say that we don't want any. We're not going to make a beautiful church. We don't want to have beautiful stained glass windows. We don't want to have, uh, you know, gold or platinum or silver um, uh, precious vessels. Right. We don't we don't want to have our sacred vessels. We don't. And, and uh, we only we don't want to have, uh, you know, all these things. It, it, the thing is, all that that beauty is part of God. It is. Right? And finding God in beauty is, is a good thing. I think the danger in this, uh, and I know it's like, really, I'm tuning into this Catholic cafe to hear about a song. Yeah. It's, it's a wider issue. Um, and so let's park the song for a second. Okay. We're going to park the song. Park it. Right? And now we're going to bring up another little uh, anecdotal historical thing that happened to me. Okay. I was at summer camp with the scouts. And you got all this from the voice, by the way. Oh, yeah. It just started. My, is, my mind started good. going. This is good. <clears throat> so so uh, it reminded me, after I'd heard all this voice stuff, which I still like the song, but I was listening, whatever. And then I re- it reminded me the time that I was sitting in uh, an interfaith prayer service at, um, you know, Kayakima Scout Reservation. Right. And we're sitting there because, you know, you want to, it's not specifically a, a Baptist or a Catholic or a Presbyterian or a Muslim or whatever organization. Voice Gods of America is for everybody. And so I applaud that. And I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's just fantastic. But we have to be careful sometimes when we attend these things to actually listen and then help those that, that are in our care, like the scouts or the kids that are with us in our troop, to help them understand. And, and here's how this came to be. I was, uh, you know, the, the, the scouts are always into Indian lore. You know, the great fire that burned 10,000 years and all these things. It's wonderful. Three moons of the whatever. And there's lots right. of connections with uh, Indian lore. And that's that's fine, too. Uh, but at this interfaith prayer service, it's kind of like, how do we do a prayer service? Because we're not allowed to say Jesus. We're not allowed to say, you know, names of things. And so we just have to kind of talk with great spirit in the sky or our right. whatever. And so anyway, they have this interfaith prayer service where this guy gets up and they just got a local guy and they kind of pass the baton like, who's going to give the talk this year? And so this particular guy got up there and he started talking and, and his, the, basically the fundamental talk was this. And it came down to this little anecdote. He said, you know, there were uh, colonial people walking along with the Indians, you know, and, and on the, the colonials would, would go on Sunday morning, they'd walk to church. And the Indians would say, where are you going, white man, you know? And, uh, and so, uh, you know, that was my really bad Indian. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> and so the, 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 those folks would say, we're going to worship our God. Right? We're going, we're going to church to worship our God. And the Indian said to them that, why do you go to church to worship your God? I, I worship him in the corn, and I worship him in the field, and in the sky, and in right. the sun. The God is present. Now, that's all true. That is true. You're right. But remember, you've got like these little kids, especially the little Catholic kids in our troop, 
their heads are like they're just like sponges and they're soaking this in. And I did. I, I swear to you, this is the happy time. I, I promise you, this happened. As we get out, one of these little kids says to me, "Deacon, does that mean we don't have to go to mass anymore?" Oh wow! He actually asked that question because that guy was saying you just worship God in the corn, right? You know. And so I know this seems like it's not connected to the voice, but I started thinking about all this because it's no, like it's real close to the me and Jesus. Right. Thing. So the question I is, it. does it really matter where you go to church? Yeah, I get where right. Going. Does does sin really exist, mm-hmm. or is it just something we make we make up as a society? You know, do, what 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 is real and what's not real, mm-hmm. right? And so the me and Jesus thing, I started thinking like, if you listen to the song enough, and, and if you're in the right mind, you might think, I I don't want to go to church. And right. you start to hear the kids today who say I'm spiritual but not religious. Right, right. They're beating up on organized religion. Mm-hmm. Do you have, do you have any like? In, any kids in the family who are kind of like questioning? Oh, yeah, I've got that. I've got a, one specific friend I can think of that, you know, yeah. he skipped Easter, Easter services, because I want to go out in the mountains and just be with Jesus there. Right. Well, that's, you know, and you Which think, I understand. Well, I understand the concept, but the problem is when we have popular songs, mm-hmm. when we have stories told at scout, you know, interfaith services, then what you end up having is you have people who listen, and it might actually help them decide that they don't want to be Catholic. Right. They don't want to go to church. I, listen, I, I, I got nine kids, and I guarantee that if I wasn't a deacon, there, there's a couple of them that would be questioning whether they showed up at that parish on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and uh, I don't want to say they wouldn't be Catholic, because I don't know that. Uh, but, but i, but I got to be honest with you. There's a lot of people that they're, they're searching to find their way, and when they continually hear this stuff like, is this real? Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and it makes you... So then, as a Catholic... You, you know, you have to stop and say... You have to answer it. Yeah. Especially as a dad, you got to be able to answer yeah, the questions. It is real. Well, yeah. how do you answer that? Do we do we still believe that or not? Right. I remember being in uh, my uh, my den, and there was a member of uh, not my immediate family, I don't want to identify who it was, was sitting in the room. We were all talking, and I don't know how we got on it, but somehow, as a family, got on the topic of hell. I don't know how it happened, but and <laughs> I don't even remember the, getting into the conversation. And what it was about, other than I remember this one person saying in that room about us, like as Catholics, do we do we still believe in hell? And they were actually sort of quizzically asking the question as if that had ever come into question. Right. And so then I think about songs like Me and Jesus, and I think about the story of the, you know, worshiping God in the corn, and, and, and do we really need all this? And this is what people hear, and they think, and even the people with the best intentions even good Catholics start to kind of fall into that trap of, yeah. you know, maybe we just need to, like, let some of that stuff go and not be so strict about all those things. And do we actually really believe all that stuff? Yeah. Well, it, it just I, I think it puts a little pressure on us. It does. Specifically as guys. Uh, but, you know, specifically you, Tom, you got some big old shoulders. Oh, yeah. you got to do more, Tom. You are, like, slacking off. I mean, we... It's terrible, isn't it? You know, it's, you're, 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 doing a good, you're doing a good thing, but... But I think that a lot of folks need to understand that we, we need to figure this stuff out ourselves and then to boldly proclaim it. Yeah. And that ain't always easy. No, it's not. It's very difficult. So what we're going to do uh, on the second half of the show is I'm going to walk through some scripture verses. I'm going to walk through some catechism references to help people understand this is what we teach. We need that. And, 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 and this is important so that even in our own families, with our kids especially who have stopped going or, stop, or want to stop going, mm-hmm. right, that we can help in that process, not to browbeat them, not to beat them over the head with scriptures and catechisms, but to help them understand that there is a truth that, yeah. that is genuine. 
God revealed it, and we live it, and he wants us to live it. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Before we do that, I want to remind folks we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And if you want to know all the answers, <laughs> you're going to want to hang in with us. <laughs> See you when we get back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Tradition tells us that the parents of Mary, the mother of God, were named Joachim and Anne. Not much is known of the details of their lives, but they have become the focus of great admiration and veneration. This is most assuredly due to the fact that their daughter Mary was the humble virgin chosen by God to bring Jesus into the world, and an example for all Christians. One story tells us that after they were married, Saints Joachim and Anne greatly desired to have a family. They tried, however, for many years to conceive. It was thought that St. Anne was barren. Things looked hopeless. They did not lose their faith, however. They prayed continually to God for the blessing of a child. One night, an angel appeared and said that God had indeed heard them, and they would receive the child for which they so fervently prayed. On that very night, in thankfulness, St. Anne promised to dedicate her child to God. Not long after that, Mary was born. Many have wondered how the church can honor as saints those whom we know little about. In the case of Saints Joachim and Anne, we need only look at their important role as the parents of Mary, the young girl who would freely offer herself in service to God and all mankind. Regardless of the details of their lives, we know that as parents in a good Jewish family, they would be responsible for Mary's upbringing. They were Mary's teachers. They fed her, nurtured her, encouraged her, and supported her even in the moment of accepting God's call to be the mother of God. It was their dedication to living a holy life that God used to serve as an example for Mary. In fact, what she learned from her parents, she most naturally would use in bringing up the child Jesus. And it was her parents' faith that laid the foundation for Mary's consolation and acceptance of God's will at the foot of her son's cross. Saints Joachim and Anne serve as an example for all married couples in bringing up their children to willingly accept the vocations to which they are called in service to God. As early as the 4th century, a church was built by St. Helena, mother of Constantine, on the site where the sainted couple lived in Jerusalem. Saints Joachim and Anne are often depicted in artwork holding Mary and teaching her to read from the sacred scriptures. Their feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on July 26th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff. Yes, you are. Deacon Jeff never lies. He always calls it like it is. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here with Tom Dorian. Yes, sir. And we are talking about me and Jesus and church. We are. And sin and, like, what's real, what's not real. Church, all that. And I guess the whole point of the show is really to sort of help people start the process of answering questions that their kids have. Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, when I've done missions, uh, missions at various parishes, you know, I was up in Syracuse, New York at a wonderful 
uh, place up there. And uh, um, at Sacred Heart was the name of the church, it's a nice Polish church. And I remember talking to the. To oh, that's the, perfect for you. Yeah, I, yeah, a lot of Polacks there, yeah. and I'm one of them. And so I was up there, and I remember when I was talking, and when they first kind of woke up and leaned forward in their seats when I started talking about looking out the room and saying, where, where are your kids? Not that they needed to come to the mission, but I guarantee that in this room somewhere, I don't have to be like the amazing Kreskin to be able to tell that somebody's kids in here don't want to go to church anymore. And some of them don't go to church anymore. Yeah. And it's amazing how everybody suddenly tuned in because they thought I was going to suddenly give all these answers, which I hope I did to a certain degree. But so many of us have the situation where there's so much competition for church. Oh, yeah. And not only that, but there's so much, uh, uh, I guess there's such a great lack of faith in so many ways in any kind of corporate or group or uh, community identity for a religion. Right? Yeah. Organized religion is getting so beat up nowadays. Oh, the yeah. mainline Protestant uh, churches are struggling. The Catholic church certainly struggles. And so what happens is, and then you get the young people who will say things like, I'm spiritual, but not religious. And I know this touches so many families. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to start to, to answer some of these questions, or at least to help them understand that God has revealed some really powerful things that we need to understand and know. Yeah. Right? Because I know I've got some, um, uh, you know, I've got some friends whose who's kids have left the Catholic church and who start to think, well, it's okay. At least they, you know, they go with me when they come in town or it's okay. They've joined a different church or they're in some kind of little group that gets together and sits in the woods and stares at trees or whatever. And, and, and they'll think corn. it's what well, corn. <laughs> and, and the point is um, to some degree that, that that's okay. I guess it's a step in the right direction, but it's not okay that it stays there. Right. Because that's not what God revealed. And so I want to talk about a little bit about the church itself, the fact that the church exists. I mean, that, it, was, it was profound that, that Jesus founded a church. Right. I mean, and the thing is, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 18 and 19, where he says, You are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'll give you the key to the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. When he says those words... I mean, it meant something. It did. It meant something. And from that time forward, you know, the, the, the other apostles look at Peter like, man, why did he pick him? Yeah. Right? And all through Scripture, we see how Peter was sort of in charge. You know, he's all the different things. There's a whole show about the primacy of Peter. You ought to look that up on the Catholic Cafe website. There's two shows on, on the importance of Peter and, and, and the papacy. And uh, But the point is, Jesus started a church. Now, if the Lord God of the universe... Mm-hmm started a church, I would think it'd be because he intended us to go there. Yeah, not just to be me right. and Jesus. I mean, if if God he said... to be a body. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if he said, hey, uh, I am giving you the Twinkie. Right. Right? Then I would expect that he wants us to eat the Twinkie. Right. I mean, I, I don't want to make the church sound like I'm comparing it to a Twinkie. My point is, <laughs> if he did something, if he made something, if he gave us something, it is his intent that... That we that we participate in it, right? right? And that's, that that's actually it. your answer to the the whole tune you've got here, right? The me and Jesus, right? It's not about just me and Jesus; it's about the church, the body, right? The mystical body of Christ. He, I mean, you can't do things on your own, right? I mean, what do we do on Thursday nights? Where do we get together? Oh, we get together in group at the bowling, at the bowling alley, the bar yeah. in the bowling alley. Yeah. We get together in a Casillo group and we talk to each other. We hold each other accountable. We build each other up. 
right? We, right. we lay, lay our lives on the table sometimes. You know, we, we talk about fun things. We have, we, have a, we have a good time. And we live in community. So there's joy. There's sorrow. There's happiness. There's laughter. There's sadness. There's mm-hmm. moments we share with each other that are, that are very personal, that don't go outside that room. And the point is, that's a community. It's, like a, it's a, a domestic ecclesia, a, a, a home church, a small church. And it's intentional. Because right. you can't do it alone. Exactly right. This is a very difficult life journey. So, and that's I'm, why he started the right. church. Right. And when I'm, when I'm teaching people in RCIA, I tell them, it's not just me and Jesus. It is me and Jesus. I have a personal Lord and Savior. He, is, he loves me and I love him and I have a relationship with him. And that's important. It is. But that relationship with him actually causes me, if I have a true relationship with to him. To reach out. I'm, I'm actually, it, it, it goes out to the side. And you right? grab somebody else's hand. Right, so it's not no longer just uh, right. vertical, but it's also horizontal. That's and, right. And I'm, I'm in communion in the, the body of Christ. And that's, that's right. why when you receive Holy Communion every Sunday mm-hmm. or every daily Mass, and they hold the Eucharist up in front of you, they say the body of Christ. And you say, Amen. Amen. And it's not just saying, I believe that Christ is truly present. You are saying that. But you're also saying, I believe everything that the church teaches. You're also saying that I, that I live in communion, in holy communion with everyone in this church, mm-hmm. with everyone who loves you. I love them. You're my brother or sister in Christ. And it's just an amazing reality that I think a lot of people skip. Yeah. But Jesus started the church. And so when people say he doesn't care what church you go to, I mean, he really did start one. And it, and it really is kind of important. And... I want to read a couple of scripture verses. This is from um, St. Paul's letter to Timothy, the first letter uh, to Timothy, chapter uh, 3, verses 14 and 15. Paul says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these instructions to you so that if I'm delayed, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and bulwark of the truth. Now, that's powerful. Especially that very last line. I know. He doesn't say that the, the, the... the, the truth is found in the corn. There is truth in corn. There is truth in God's beauty, the things that we see, the created things of the, of the earth. There, there is truth even like in just the scriptures. There, there's truth in the Bible. But he doesn't cite that. He says that the pillar and bulwark, the foundation of truth, where it all springs from, the foundation, the basis on which that truth has been built by God, the is the church. church. Right. That's a communal experience. That's not a you and me experience. Amen. Right? And so that's why those colonial people should have said to the Indians, come with me. Mm-hmm. Come with me. I invite you to go with me and just and, and come and see what this is. Right. Right? And so so that's a, a powerful witness. Another uh, um, uh, epistle of St. Paul's, when he wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, he says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. That through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. It's the church that's going to make make manifest. It's going to make known all of this stuff. Right. It comes from the church. And that's why it's important that we go to the church. That's right. Right. And so people who think it doesn't matter where you go, they're wrong. They're missing the whole point. Mm -hmm. It does matter. It's, it's okay if you're spiritual, but you need to be religious too. <laughs> That's right. Right? Spiritual and religious, not spiritual, uh, not religious. And then this, I want to talk about sin just for a second because there's this idea that there's no real sin. And there is. And, and, and the fact that people would sit and say, 
you know, do we really believe in hell anymore? Is there really sin? Is it relative? Is there is truth relative? This is why we have a church. Right. Helps us get those answers. Exactly right. We need to have the answers, and we have a church. God gave us a church. Amen. To answer the question. So when your kids say, you know, do we really believe in hell? Do we believe in sin? And is it real? And it's like, well. Wow, look. You, look you, at you. You get out the catechism. There you go. Well, you go to paragraph 1861. Yeah. And it says mortal sin, you know, the sin that will kill our relationship with God. That's why it's yeah. called mortal. Mortal sin is a radical possibility of human freedom, as is love itself. It results in the loss of charity and the privation of sanctifying grace. That is, of the state of grace. It is not, if it is not redeemed by repentance and God's forgiveness, it causes exclusion from Christ's kingdom and the eternal death of hell. So, okay, pretty much says that. Now, um, it's important that you don't start saying, here's all the reasons why you're going to hell. That's not a way to start a conversation (laughs) with somebody. No, it's not. But it is important to understand that it is there, funny, though. there is really... <laughs> I'm sorry. There are some people I, I would I like to start to that, that conversation, sorry. but I don't want to. But yeah. but the point is, before you start addressing... Uh, you know, you, you, they're they're going to start... Want, they want to know what's real and what's not real. Right. What's man-made? What do, what do we... You know, why do I have to do all these man-made things? And the reality is, Jesus made a church. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the church it has this authority. Church, church teaches us, mm-hmm. also consoles us, but... Importantly, you know, we can talk about all the sin and we can talk about hell and all those things are real and they are, but we also talk about how real God's mercy is. Right. I mean, every conversation that we have with someone who's who's searching, especially young people who are searching for truth, it's 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 always got to start and end with mercy. Amen. They want the answers of is this real? Is the church real? Does it matter where I go to church? You know, you and I both know, we, we've lived long enough to know that it does matter what we do and how we do it. Mm-hmm. There are consequences to bad actions. There are things that are sin. There are things that are objectively evil or objectively bad. And the church helps define those things. But the reality is at the end of it, it all what matters most about knowing all those objectifications and knowing those realities is to know the reality of God's love. That's right. So you start with your kids, you're talking to your kids about the love, but then also say, look, but he gave us this church as a gift. Amen. Right. He gave us these ideas of understanding sin and understanding falling so that he can pick us up. That's right. So that's what's so important. And so that's why it's important for us to whether it's a me and Jesus experience or a praising Jesus in the corn or, or what kind of experience before that leads you down that wrong road. Know that God loves you and he wants you to be in his church. He wants your kids in the church and he wants you to know his mercy. Amen. Beautiful. So that music means we're going to pray. Let's do it. And let's ask the Blessed Mother. We like to do that lately. I've been doing that a lot. Let's ask for her protection. Let's. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for us sinners, sinners now, now and at the, the hour, hour of our, our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com, where you can find out more information about The Catholic Cafe, listen online, download MP3s, or subscribe to our podcast. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from 
the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.